0: No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible.
1: Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where the Lord named Cyrus as his instrument to subdue nations and free the exiles of Judah. Woe to him who strives with his maker, for God is marvelously sovereign. We hope you join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Isaiah chapter 45. On simply the Bible.
0: The Bible tells us in Ephesians 2 10 that we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I know of nothing more comforting than knowing that God chose me before I was even born to fulfill his purpose. If I will trust him and surrender my life to him, then he will guide me to my destination. And this is true of each one of us. Our part is simply to respond by faith to God's marvelous grace and make ourselves available to Him. Now, today we look at an amazing historical account that proves this through the life of a famous Persian leader. We continue in Isaiah chapter 45. Thus says the Lord to His anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have held to subdue nations before him and loose the armor of kings, to open before him the double doors so that the gates will not be shut. I will go before you and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that you may know that I... The Lord, who call you by your name, am the God of Israel. The Lord called Cyrus by name over a century before he was born. Isaiah could not have done that. Only someone outside our time and space could do that. Now you might say, Daryl, do you believe in extraterrestrials? I believe in God, and he is extraterrestrial. He dwells not only outside of this earth but also outside of the time-space continuum in eternity. Thus, he is able to speak of future events as though they were historical events. It is interesting that the Lord would call Cyrus his anointed, for this is the name for Christ, which means the anointed one. God would empower Cyrus to do his will. Like Christ who would come after him, Cyrus would have a twofold mission to free the people and, and to bring god's judgment on unbelievers now a little over a century after isaiah wrote this king nebuchadnezzar of babylon destroyed the temple and walls and burned the houses in 586 bc cyrus founder of the persian empire first came to the throne in 559 bc he entered into an alliance with his aged uncle Cyaxeres II, the last king of the Medes. Together, the Medes and Persians advanced against Babylon. In 539, Cyrus conquered Babylon with Darius the Mede. And the very next year, Cyrus issued a decree that the Jews could return to Jerusalem and rebuild their temple. Now, it is very interesting how Babylon was conquered. The Babylonians considered their city to be impregnable. The walls were some 180 feet high and 60 feet wide. You could drive six chariots side by side on top of the wall. It encircled this great city, which was 15 miles by 15 miles. The river Euphrates ran through the center of the city and a bridge connected both sides of the city together. While Babylon was under siege, Belshazzar declared a feast. It was sort of a mockery of the invading armies. The storehouses of Babylon were still abundant with food and wine. We find the account in Daniel chapter 5. Belshazzar ordered that the vessels be brought in that Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple, and they drank wine from them, praising the gods of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Suddenly, they saw the fingers of a human hand riding on the plaster wall of the king's palace near the lampstand. The king saw it, and his face turned pale with fright, his knees knocked together in fear, and his legs gave way beneath him. So he called for Daniel, who then came in and interpreted the writing. God would bring judgment upon Belshazzar for his pride and unbelief. And that very night, Babylon was conquered and Belshazzar was killed. According to the Greek historian Herodotus, Cyrus did not assault the wall, but rather he built dikes upriver on the Euphrates and gave the signal to divert the river around the city of Babylon. The troops then entered on the riverbed. There were great walls and bronze gates on either side of the river. Usually these gates sealed off the city. But for some reason that night, they had been left open, probably because the guards were drunk. And Cyrus conquered Babylon, just as Isaiah said in verses 1 through 3 of this chapter. I'm going to read it one more time. Thus says the Lord to his anointed to Cyrus whose right hand I have held to subdue nations before him and loose the armor of kings to open before him the double doors so that the gates will not be shut. I will go before you and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that you may know that I, the Lord, who call you by your name, Am the God of Israel. What an exquisite fulfillment of Bible prophecy given about 175 years before it occurred. Now, the Jewish historian Josephus records that when Cyrus conquered the city, the Jews gave him a copy of Isaiah's prophecy. Upon reading it, he admired the divine power and was determined to fulfill what was written which was to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. God spoke of all these things long before Cyrus was even born so that he would know that Yahweh, the God of Israel, called him by name. Verse 4, For Jacob, my servant's sake, and Israel, my elect, I have even called you by your name. I have named you, though you have not known me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. There is no God besides me. I Will gird you, though you have not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun to its setting that there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create calamity. I, the Lord, do all these things. Now, the Lord predicted all this for at least three reasons first, to show Cyrus that he called him by name, second, to show the world that he alone is God. And third, for the sake of Jacob, his servant. God used this to show his people who were captives in Babylon that he still cared about them. The Lord girded Cyrus even though he did not know him. This proves God's sovereignty over nations and rulers. It's not to say that God is responsible for everything that happens on this planet because God has given to man free moral agency to do good or evil. But God is able to intervene in the kingdoms of men and direct the heart of kings as he wills. God reveals his sovereignty in three ways. In light and darkness, he created the light and separated it from the darkness. In making peace, God alone can make peace between himself and man, between nations and individuals. We are told that Christ himself is our peace. And God reveals his sovereignty in creating calamity. God takes full responsibility for creating calamity. He judges proud and rebellious nations with war, famine, and disease. Verse 8, rain down you heavens from above and let the skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open, let them bring forth salvation, and let righteousness spring up together. I, the Lord have created it. Do you know that man is incapable of righteousness apart from grace? Paul said there is no one who is righteous, no not one. We must have a righteousness that comes down from heaven. And guess what? Jesus is the righteousness of God. And this righteousness is credited to everyone who believes in Jesus Christ. Once we have received God's righteousness by grace through faith, then we can bring forth the fruit of righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Verse 9, Woe to him who strives with his maker, Let the potsherd strive with the potsherds of the earth. Shall the clay say to him who forms it, What are you making? Or shall your handiwork say, He has no hands? Woe to him who says to his father, What are you begetting? Or to the woman, What have you brought forth? It just does not make any sense for somebody to strive with his maker. That is a no win situation. And who would do such a thing as that? Only the person who really does not know God for who he is. A person that knows that God's purpose toward him is never to harm, but only to give him a good future would be foolish not to yield to his maker. Now, it says, let the potsherd strive with the potsherds of earth. What's a potsherd? It's a, a broken piece of pottery. And if you think about it, that's what we are apart from Christ, just a bunch of cracked pots. And it's only cracked pots that would strive with their maker. Shall the clay say, what are you making? Now this is interesting because clay is the most common element of earth and that's what we are made of. But God is the potter. And should we as clay say, what are you doing, God? Doesn't he have the right to do with us what he will since he made us? Imagine if you gave birth to your child and your child said, to what have you given birth? Thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel and his maker, ask me of things to come concerning my sons and concerning the work of my hands. You command me. I have made the earth. I created man on it. I, my hand, stretched out the heavens, and all their hosts I have commanded. I have raised him up in righteousness, and I will direct all his ways. He shall build my city and let my exiles go free, not for price nor reward, says the Lord of hosts. Now God says, ask me of things to come concerning my sons, I think that's something we probably don't do enough. And yet Jesus said in John 16, 13, that when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide us into all truth and he will show us the things to come. God says, ask me, I'll show you the things to come. But then he says, you command me. I think the new living translation is better here, which says, do you give me orders about the work of my hands? In other words, who are you to command me? We can't just command the sovereign God. He said, I have made the earth and heavens. I have raised up Cyrus in righteousness and he shall build my city and free my exiles. Again, the whole purpose of this is to show that God called Cyrus before he was ever even born, named him by name to show that he is sovereign and In the same way, God is sovereign in our lives. What an amazing thing that he cares enough about us to know us before we're ever formed and to desire to bring forth his good purpose in our lives. If only we will trust in him and yield ourselves to him as the clay to the potter.
1: You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. That's calvarytv.org. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our podcast on iTunes or Spotify and please leave us a review. Tomorrow we see where God declares that He alone created the heavens and the earth. Idolaters have no knowledge, but the Lord is the Savior of everyone, Who submits to him. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Isaiah on simply the Bible.